Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going today? I'm doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a crazy week for, for me at least. Uh, I, I have moved back to, to college as we are both young. <laughs> but So we are a little scattered again. Um, last real week before we have some like real actual content to talk about uh, with the draft lottery. So we're going to have a bit of a scattered episode today. We'll talk a bit about the lottery, a bit about some, some other news. Um, so yeah, why don't we just get into it? As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. Yep. So um, the news thing we wanted to address was that uh, Leandro Balmaro, a favorite of this podcast, uh, extended with FC Barcelona. Um, but I, I think the initial reaction to that was was kind of negative. People thinking that that he might be out of the draft this year. But that is very much not the case. Uh, Jonathan Gavoni, among among others, uh, was saying that the contract still has reasonable NBA outs. Um, and uh, importantly, I think that it puts Bolmaro in a situation, obviously, with with one of the you know best basketball teams in the world in Barcelona. But uh, like importantly, a team that knows what he is and uses him as a ball handler. Like it's one of the we, we've kind of lauded Bolmaro's ability to to play on the ball on both ends when playing even with the um the senior team uh but what that's a demonstration of is the fact that that Barcelona knows what he is um so i think that you know him staying there maybe it's not ideal in the sense that minutes will be hard hard to come by with such a good team but at the very least they are a team that knows what he is uh and it it's a very you know competent and uh large organization on top of that i think that one thing to consider with this is that it's uh you know the general trend of guys making themselves attractive stashes we talked about this with with john chepkevich on on the last episode with all the pre-stashes among um ncaa players but clearly prospects seem to think that this year it's advantageous for them to be really stashable uh and i just wonder what that says about the expectation of the development resources that will be available to NBA teams, specifically with the G League, like is there an expectation that the G League season really might not happen, and that teams are not going to have you know a, essentially a junior team of their own to stick guys on, and we'll be much more interested in the stashes. Yeah, I think either way, uh, you can't really ask for a much better developmental system than the one that Bomaro is already in. I mean, we talk about you know the importance of in-game reps for for development. Um, on this podcast plenty and Bomaro is getting those reps for one of the best teams in the world playing in the second best league in the world in EuroLeague and he's already shown that he has had success in a limited role I mean I mean he, I mean his role in, in EuroLeague is pretty much to hound at the point of attack which he's one of the best probably the best guy in the class at I mean he's incredibly elite and then just to make solid and just, and, and just to make sound decisions on offense which he's also really great at um, so I'm curious to see if, you know, as he gets more leash, probably probably more with the just playing other ACB teams other than EuroLeague, if he's 
asked to do maybe more self-creation or, you know, just, just seeing how his role expands. Cause you know, having like a place where you can like, like there's no place to learn and make mistakes like, you know, a EuroLeague team that trusts you. I mean, cause you know, whether or not a G League team, a G League season actually happens, the competition is just leagues better um, in it, where Bomaro is playing. And he, he likely won't be playing as, I mean, at least I would think he's probably not going to be playing as much with um, the third division team. Uh, at least next season, because they'll definitely have more of a full-time role um, with uh, Barcelona in their ACB competition, and almost certainly, and certainly as well in the Euroleague games. So, I mean, you know, if a team, yeah, how much a team trusts their own development, or you know, wants to invest their own development resources, or even like as simple as a thing, invest a thing, you know, as simple as a roster spot, because you know, a, a lot of teams, you know, are full on young talent and you know, won't want to, you know, they, they could waste a two-way or, you know, they could stick him in Europe and have, you know, if, if Bomaro is probably not going to play significant minutes in the NBA for, for many teams, um, you know, but so probably maybe better to have him swallow up those minutes in Europe and, you know, really keep developing. And once he's ready, bring him over. So, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a good, like I said, I think it's a good situation for Bomaro. And like I said, I, I think he still gets drafted. I mean, I mean, like, oh, Max yeah, Rebbe, I, oh, I, sure. Oh, yeah. I think like, that this kind of makes him like more like I'm more confident in him definitely going in the first now. Yeah, just, I think so too. Just on account of, of the fact that like if you're a team with your entire rotation pretty much set for next year, um, drafting a guy then who's not going to play um, and who won't be able to get G League reps like that's a pretty disastrous developmental situation to be in. So to have Bulmaro like locked up on FC Barcelona um, on a team that clearly knows what he is and that has been, I don't, I, I mean, hasn't played him huge minutes. And that's, that's the concern for me is that if, if he's not helping Barcelona win, that he would end up playing, uh, you know, if he ends up playing third division again, that would probably not be ideal. Um, but I think for an NBA team, that's got to be pretty appealing. The idea that this guy could play, could get ball handler reps playing the ACB, playing in EuroLeague. Um, as opposed to, you know, some some guys who are NCAA players who are non-stashes next year probably won't like really see any game reps if the G League doesn't if the G League season doesn't happen like they won't see any game reps outside of garbage time uh, and obviously practice is very important um, but I mean NBA teams don't even practice that much uh, so yeah I think that that Bolmaro being set up in a situation where he is with a really good team at a really high competition level is appealing if he can hack it at that competition level. I mean, it is, and it's kind of like uh, the situation kind of takes care of itself in that like, if, if he can't really, um, you know, contribute at the, at the ACB level, um, you know, he's probably not headed toward a really <laughs> high level NBA contribution anyway. So, you know, he'll either, he'll either sink or swim in the, in the ACB and, and, um, you know, if, if he's good enough to keep getting those minutes, I think it's a really positive developmental situation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's already been a contributor in, like, the Yeah, in, in, like, 170 minutes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's true. The minutes are low, but, I mean, just give – I mean, he was really quite good, like, especially considering his age. I mean, you'd hope with – I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the big thing to monitor is with, you know, a projected increase in usage on offense – more responsibility in general, um, you know, just how is Bomaro going to respond with the better competition? And that's the thing we're going to track. And, you know, if th that's going to be the really interesting thing for whatever team that ends up drafting and potentially stashing him to, you know, consider for his eventual usefulness as an NBA player. But yeah, I mean, it's a good situation for Bomaro, a good situation for whatever team, you know, potentially a pretty good team towards, you know, the end of the first could nab him and, you know, have a really useful contributor in a couple of years. So it's just a positive situation all around for football moral and these guys and de definitely not bad at all. No, I, I, I think that after the initial shock that he, you know, it's, I think it's always a little frustrating when you see a, a strong international player re up for, for a lot of years, but these contracts like usually have pretty workable NBA outs in them. Uh, so after yeah. the initial uh, just news wore off, I think it's like, all right, well, Morrow's he's in a good situation, you know, hard, hard, like you literally cannot find better competition outside the NBA and, and hard to find a, a better franchise outside the NBA. So, um, yeah, I think, I think on the whole, pretty, pretty, pretty solid situation for him, uh, puts him in a good, in a good position to be a worthwhile stash, 
uh, in a really, really weird year of the draft. Yeah, it's a good move that, you know, try again, like we talked about last episode, you know, also adding some certainty, giving him some more certainty. And like you said, in a year where in a draft cycle where there's such little certainty, you know, yeah, seen... I, I don't know how possible it's going to be right to yeah. like when you draft a guy just, in, in mid-October. Just, yeah. I mean, just talking about pure, like, you know, purely like playing like, like European leagues, like already started back up. And, you know, just they're likely going to be playing, you know, like I, I think th- their likelihood of running at full capacity is a lot higher than, you know, the NBA and the G- and especially the G League. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, Bomaro getting to whether or not he like actually sees the floor, like getting like him actually playing basketball games is almost a certainty, you know, with Barcelona where, you know, that is certainly not the case. If he, you know, wouldn't have re-upped with Barcelona and, you know, put all of his chips in the going to the NBA basket and, you know, contributing for an NBA team. So it's a smart move by him, I think, as well to, you know, just to maximize his chances of success. And, like, just, you know, having a, being a successful EuroLeague player is no slight at all and certainly a great career at all. A great career. But, yeah, like, good, like, just trying to get some certainty, you know, for in a year full of uncertainty is a good move, I think. Yeah. Um, and I guess now let's move on to prepping for the lottery, which, uh, is finally this week. The lottery is Thursday at eight 30 Eastern. Um, in, in, in a, in a way, definitely anticlimactic, uh, in that there's there's no Zion on the line this year. There's no, you know, there's no team that's like teetering on the edge of, of blowing up and, you know the prize. The prize isn't Zion, um, but I mean it's it's still a big event uh, for all the teams involved. Uh, there are some some fairly large storylines. Um, I guess the, the the first thing to talk about is like teams that should really actually like fan bases that should be pretty uh, set on getting number one. Um, so yeah. like I, I think that for a lot of them. It's not the end of the world if you don't get it, but there are a couple teams that I think should really, really want uh, number one. And the first one that comes to mind is Atlanta, just because they have their mega creator in place already, which makes uh, Lamelo Ball less intriguing. They, I mean, if if you're considering Wiseman in that range, which I think teams in real life actually will be, they're also set at the center position. Um, but I think that of the the top guys, Anthony Edwards is really the like clear fit for for Atlanta. Um, and my guess is that you're probably going to need the number one overall pick to get Anthony Edwards. I don't know where you stand on that, but my expectation is kind of that Ant is going to go number one. Um, I really have no idea. I mean, I I think it'll get to vary a lot by team. I mean, it seems that teams are like all over the place this year. Um, so I like, I mean, I think it's certainly a reasonable bet to go number one. I don't know. I mean, I think if I like had to put money on it, I'd, I'd probably say ant, but I, again, I like, like I have low confidence in firmly saying any of guys like LaMelo or ant or even Wiseman, maybe, you know, you know, given. Yeah. I think, I think that for team, I think, first of all, I think it's justified for it to vary by team because in my first year of Kelly and LaMelo and ant, like it would vary by team. I would take a different guy. Number one depending on on my situation and what I'm looking to get out of this pick. Um, but I think I, I think that for teams, it probably comes down to Ant, Wiseman, and, and LaMelo, if I had to guess. Uh, and my my inclination is is that, you know, Ant would be the guy for, for most teams. Uh, but I, I don't really know. So, so I, but, I mean, Ant has like the RSCI, like Wiseman, but he actually played. Um, which is definitely a favor, you know, the thing that matters to, to, to teams. Um, yeah, I, I, and I think there's probably, I mean, I, I don't know if there's more LaMelo concern. I, I think, you know, people will have lots of concerns with LaMelo and just because of his name as well. I mean, there's the uncertainty there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, Ant is just more prototypically, you know, a number one overall pick. Like, it's very easy to take Anthony Edwards number one overall on account of the fact that, like, he has – the ridiculous NBA frame and the high points are really, really high. Um, he is like, you know, a competent self creator. Uh, he's a competent off the dribble shooter. Like he, he has everything that a prototypical number one has, I think, except that he's not necessarily that good. Um, and, <laughs> and his, 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 you know, a- approach and, 
uh, decision. Yeah, it's like he certainly, you know, puts on the facade of of like the prototypical, you know, top pick creator. Like, like he just makes sense. Yeah, um, if you, know, if, you if you describe Anthony Edwards and show his highlights to a Twitter audience, um, or something along those lines, like after you draft him number one overall, no one will be mad about it. Nobody, nobody will be mad. And I, and I don't think it's a pick that gets you fired either, just on account of of how obvious it is. Um, yeah, I, 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 we, I mean, we could do the whole ant thing another time, I guess. I, I recently finally dropped him uh, from one after having him there for like thirteen months or whatever, just because of <laughs> Ben is giving me a, a little golf clap. Um, yeah, I mean, just the, the approach stuff is really bad, and just like watching watching that guy play defense, uh, man. Uh, it's yeah. It's, I know you rewatched that the versus Florida game. Yeah, and, and it was a it was totally just, just some baffling gambles. Um, I mean, I certainly get like having it number one, and I feel like I mean he's also in my tier one. Like I have no qualms with taking number one for like you said a team like like Atlanta. I talked about this before. I I would take Ant number one for Atlanta as well. But yeah, I mean like. The approach, I think the approach and like the motor thing is like really real. Yeah, you, I mean, because you have to hold him with the approach to the same standard that like I definitely held RJ Barrett to, and it's why I was a lot lower on RJ Barrett. Um, and that's like you know, seems to have the early returns at least are, are pretty solid on that. Yeah, um, to, be, to be fair to RJ, is he couldn't have picked the worst context for him. Yeah, um, and it's it's a di- it, they're very different approach issues. Yeah. Um, but but approach issues no like, yeah and and i think that that's something that's pretty hard to change the way that you like think about playing the game of basketball and the way that you like interpret your purpose on a basketball court um i think that that's something that's pretty difficult to change yeah i mean just like you know like the simple question is like can he be convinced to just go to the rim I mean, obviously there's limiters there. Like, you know, he has a weak handle and, you know, he, he's not, I don't think he's going to be able to like, just like flip a switch and go to the rim. Like, you know, someone like Kevin Porter Jr. Who last year, you know, was at, at USC was pretty allergic to the rim and had a lot of the same, you know, decision-making long two problems that Ant had. And then this yeah, year, but if Ant had KPJ's handle, oh, yeah, he'd be like, <laughs> very solid. No. Well, but that's the point I'm making is, you know, like, like Ant doesn't like, like with Ant, it's, it's not as easy as just go to the rim because he has problems because he has other problems that let limit that namely the handle. Unlike, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. Who, you know, who had the handle and, you know, th- this, his first season in the league, he, you know, went to the rim and shocker was actually like a very good finisher and, you know, got there often because he's so toolsy and, you know, quick and you know you know explosive with his handle yeah i mean you know just despite the the lack of handling ant still certainly should be a powerful powerful going to the room i mean on on pure account of his first step and his strength and his explosion so but like i mean i really can't answer the question of how do you, can you and to what extent can you fix that i mean i i don't know i don't yeah. think and, and anybody the thing really knows. Like, is that it it wasn't like one year on a bad georgia team this is who he's been. This is always yeah. who he's been. Um, he is not a forceful player, um, even though he has every reason to be. Uh, it's wildly frustrating, and it's not. It's not just that he like doesn't, you know, that he he doesn't always push a hundred percent, or that he you know conserves energy. Because I, I think the defense plays into this. That like so much of watching him play defense is just what on earth are you doing like it, it, it's and it's not just with the off ball stuff like i i definitely am sympathetic to the argument that like draft twitter gets too caught up with the with the off ball stuff especially with guards um but with and it's not the off ball stuff it's like the guy has never gotten through a screen in his entire life either the only time he ever looks rem- like remotely okay on defense is defending in isolation and even then you have like Keontae just blowing by him because Ant doesn't really care in like in the in the clutch like it's it's baffling yeah the on ball gambles are insane uh in the off ball gamble it's it makes no sense um watching him play defense is insane uh like I I posted a clip from that Florida game of like Scotty ran off a flex cut it was like the end of the game terrible one yeah yeah no but I think the game was still competitive at that point wasn't it no, it was a close game. Yeah. Yeah. So like Scotty was off a flex cut and is so open at the rim 
that he's just like shocked and almost pump fakes himself into missing it. And like, granted, like part of that, I think was probably on Rayshon Hammonds, but like, there's so, no attempt to communicate. There's nothing like it's no. Yeah. I mean, and then there was the one at the end of the game where he like dug on Trey man for no reason or, or dug on Nemhard and like man was wide open in the corner or yeah. one of the two. Yeah, no, th- yeah, yeah. It's I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he just yeah. like he's he's running like like uh, um Trey Man I think is relocating or something like that, and he just like darts toward the ball for no reason. Um, it's it makes no sense, and Man I think winds up with a wide open corner three. Yeah, and that was like late in the fourth in when with Georgia like still in the game pretty yeah. much. Um, yeah, I mean enough about I mean, enough about you know like the the flaws with Ant. They're very real. Um, just, <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. quite the tangent. Uh, the the being yeah. just like annoyed at Ant for not uh, ever trying or being engaged. Yeah, I got off topic from the you know on Twitter. Ant Ant will look great. Um, you know, but, his, but anyway, yeah, the like, option take him number one overall <laughs> because his ESPN like like pick package is gonna be awesome because like like it'll just be like the Michigan State second half. I mean, I mean the highlights are insane and like very like that's like i don't mean to say like i I don't want to discount him as a prospect because of the like and like disparage his highlights because the highlights are insane like they're absurd self-creation highlights transition playmaking highlights uh individual defense highlights like the high points are really really high um and if you think you can i mean the, the cutting is consistently there but if you think you can consistently extract the off the dribble shot making, if you can make him go to the rim and if you can teach him, you know, he's not going to be a brilliant off ball defender, but if you can make him get over screens, uh, the guy is going to be really good. Um, and will be like a terror playing off of Trey. Young. And again, all of those are big ifs is yeah. the thing and why, you know, and despite being a real contender for the number one pick is, is so divisive and has such a real chance of failing, you know, as you know, in terms of being like living up to the standards of you know what a number one pick. Number yeah, yeah, I, fa- yeah. Failing is relative because, like, I I would yeah. be really surprised if he flames out of the league, but I, I don't think I would be entirely shocked if he ended up being like Dion Waiters. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And Dion Waiters has a role in a playoff team, yeah. so that is I mean, also true. All right, so I think I'm gonna let's move on to the next team that really would want number one, and that's the Knicks. Well, kind, um, kind of a combination of two, though. Yeah, kind of a combo. Okay, well, well, I'll talk about the Knicks and Detroit. Because for me, I think for Max as well, those are the two primary, like, LaMelo landing spots. Um, you're probably going to need to get pretty high to get LaMelo. Um, and Detroit, I mean, Detroit and New York are the two teams that that desperately need, you know, that that primary engine, that guy who runs your offense. Um, and LaMelo is, you know, the, the guy in this class to, to swing for that. Um, you know, especially, you know, I, like New York makes less sense for someone like Anthony Edwards or Killian Hayes, especially just because of the context they have is so, so poor. Um, and honestly, same with Detroit because, you know, Blake Griffin's health and, you know, ability to play at a high level is still very up in the air. And their young core is really, really poor. Uh, uh, they it's, don't... It's just, they're all, they're all complimentary yeah. guys. Like yeah. if, if you consider they don't have much part of their core if you consider Seku part of their core like they're they're fundamentally yeah. complementary guys yeah they have no one with a breath of a chance of being a primary even the Knicks with you know RJ Barrett I don't I mean neither of us believe that he really has any genuine primary chance like yeah like granted his his context this year was about as bad as you can get with no spacing and you know him being thrust into a role that he was obviously not ready to take on uh you know but like, again like with with LaMelo in town either of those spots you have a guy who theoretically is ready to um one not only be good for the team drafting him because they need that 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 creator but also good for Lamelo because Lamelo's a prospect who is gonna need like to be the freedom to play on ball and and just do stuff you know run high pick and rolls and, and shoot and you know make make plays and those are just the two landing spots that that fit that best so both of those teams you know it's it's you know whether to be seen whether they'd actually take Lamelo number one I I think they probably would I, th- I think both of you would. Um, I don't know. I yeah, mean, th- it's really tough to say. What for the Knicks, it just makes sense because, like, the market and the name, too. Um, Detroit, I mean, I, I, it, it's, it, it's, it's just hard to know. Like, um, Yeah. It's, like, it's, I don't know. I, I, like, I obviously, as those teams would take LaMelo one. Um, and I, I think you could probably even throw Cleveland in there because they don't really have, like – 
a long-term piece. I think they might not just because they're probably more invested in Garland and Sexton than the yeah. majority of us would be. Yeah, um, but even even with those two guys, like I, those guys are still like kind of complimentary. They're kind of off-ball guys. Like they're, I don't think they're the either of those guys is going to be the main guy uh, no. playing with his, the ball in his hands. Um, so I, I think even you could throw them into this where they don't like because because like at the like throughout the rest of the lottery, I think you do have a lot of teams that have like that one main guy for the most part. Um, yeah, although, teams like Minnesota, Atlanta, Golden State's obviously in a unique situation yeah. for a team at the top of the lottery. Yeah, but, but I mean, even Washington, I you know, don't know how they approach it going forward. But Phoenix, New Orleans, Sacramento, teams that are also like, almost certainly not going to get up to number one. Or yeah, range. well, I mean, not necessarily I mean, the revised odds, but um, the, the odds are still low. I mean, especially for a team like New Orleans or even like Phoenix with yeah, very but low chance. I, I think the point is that Lamelo. The appeal of him is that I think he's the one guy in this class you can look at and say that he has real mega creator equity. That he's a guy who could really be sho- shouldering, you know, high twenty, high, mid to high twenties percent usage, um, and you know has just has his fingerprints on every possession as a guy who's who's playing on the ball all the time. Um, so I think that you know you don't want to. Like the, for example, the, the, like with Trey Young, like say Atlanta is picking number two and, um, and, uh, Ant is off the board. Um, I mean, I, I would just take Killian in that case, but if, that, if you're, yeah. if you're working under like, under a, you know, a situation um, where some where, assumption of realism, yeah, where, if you're working, yeah, that, that too, but, but in a situation <laughs> where, where LaMelo and Ant are like your, your top two, which I think is probably where a lot of NBA teams will find themselves. Uh, the Lamelo thing with Trey Young, I think, is less so a problem of like defensively, it's totally not viable, and more so like it's just a total. Uh, it's to, you know, um, what is it? Uh, the declining like marginal returns or whatever on uh, yeah on uh yeah on Lamelo, like you, one of those guys is not going to be a mega creator, and you're just losing out on on so much of the their potential for value because that's that's what makes those guys appealing is that they can be these huge offensive creators uh and you know i get maybe maybe uh, i mean i think it's not out of the question i mean you could have two of those guys i i think you definitely can it just takes a lot of careful team construction yeah and i'm not no, sure I mean, Atlanta is in the place for that i mean and i mean i i talked about this on um locked on hawks with with uh our friend brad and uh like he he did say that that Atlanta is pretty close to the Houston end of the spectrum when it comes to, uh, you know, lacking off ball movement and just really 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 have a heavy reliance on that one guy. And I think there's a lot of debate as to what direction they want to go in going forward in terms of constructing that team. But maybe the idea is a you know, uh, Chris Paul James Harden peak of their powers idea where you have two guys. Um, who are really, really, really ball dominant, uh, and and yeah. Lamelo, I think like we've 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 talked about this before that you know Lamelo does have some serious potential as a linking guy, especially if he if he hits like a sort of middling outcome. So maybe you can make the case for that, but to me, it does seem like a little bit of a waste to yeah. And I think uh, I mean I just think that that the, the con- like that that's a fascinating thought concept of you know Atlanta like trying to emulate the Rockets. Uh, you know, obviously it's different because you know the, the Rockets inherit, you know, kind of inherited inherited Chris Paul entirely, and, and James Harden a while ago um, inherited those the, those two stars. Kind of, you know, Paul passed his prime, Harden his prime. The, the the Hawks would be building both of these guys up from the ground, which you know is just really fascinating to see how like because they could construct their future around these teams. While you know the Rockets are very much constructing for the now. Um, where the Hawks would have these like like how does this two two you know heliocentric creator type system work out you know long term and like how do they construct their roster based on that so yeah and I think that I guess those guys do both have the potential to grow into accomplished off ball players I mean I don't think Trey's really ever shown an interest in doing that or a capacity for it and he's also never been asked to, to be yeah honest. yeah but he I mean he is highly intelligent uh, a brilliant shooter you know the things that you would think would translate well to it of course that's don't want to minimize what off ball play entails because I think that happens far too often that it's assumed you know a guy who's a good shooter is a good off ball player but no it's it's about relocation it's about cutting it's about you know feel for for uh, I mean, we talked about it with with John about the Arturs Kuruks uh, film room that you know learning to move in an off ball role is is tough. It's it's 
you know, a skill. Um, but I think Lamelo does show some facility for that, at least, at least as a cutter. Uh, yeah. So, you know, maybe he could grow into a very good off-ball player. Yeah, and again, I mean, like Lamelo, you know, like the last time he was asked to play really off-ball was when he was like 14, you know, uh, back when Lonzo was, was running the show at Chino Hills. It, 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 so he really hasn't been asked to, you know, foster any of that off-ball skill like we've been talking about. So again, like some late, some, I think that the foundation for a good off-ball player is definitely there with him. Uh, same with Trey, but again, that's the thing that, you know, Atlanta would definitely have to retool their development with both of those guys if they landed them, you know, focus more on that off ball since, you know, they can't, they, they can't both shoulder the entire load you know, with, on the foot. Yeah. We kind of got massively derailed again, <laughs> but, yeah, um, but uh, so yeah, I think for, for the Knicks Detroit, uh, I would kind of throw Cleveland in there, maybe Charlotte as well. Uh, and probably San Antonio um, teams that I think don't really have a central guy long term you're you're gonna want number one uh if that means taking Lamelo, because those are situations where he can get a chance to sink or swim as uh as the mega creator yeah um so yeah i think that, that those are some teams that should be rooting pretty hard for number one but uh, that said like i mean if if you're charlotte and you're you're sort of just chilling at, at eight you stay put um, I think that you know you can get a, a good contributor, and then next year take yeah. your shot on the. Yeah, I think. Sh- I mean, Charlotte's in a good spot to get a value. I think for sure, as are yeah. most of the teams at you know the back of the top ten. So. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. It's definitely true. Um, I there will there will be some values in the eight to fourteen range, on account of the fact that um I think that NBA teams seem to be lower on the guys that we like. So, you know, if, if Killian Hayes is going 11th, you know, that that's the guy that would be number one on, on my board for a fair number of teams. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential for value, and it's not the end of the world if yeah. a team doesn't jump except for a couple of them uh, where you really are going to want to take a shot on that one guy, I think, who has, like, mega heliocentric creator uh, potential. All right. Yeah. Uh, so we talked a lot about LaMelo to our last, like a lot of related topic. And since this is ma- half Max's podcast, uh, we have to talk about the Celtics and the Memphis pick. Um, yes. Oh my God. The bubble was glorious as, the, as you know, played out pretty perfectly for, for the Celtics as looks like the pick is will convey. Um, well, so, well so, so the pick might convey, might convey. Yeah. Um, if the pick conveys, it will convey at 14. Which, which is, is which is solid. Moved move up three spots. Moved up three spots uh, in the bubble, which is nice. Which but is very ideal. The appealing aspect of this is the two point four percent chance that this pick jumps into the top four, um, because if that happens, the pick will roll over to twenty twenty one unprotected. Uh, yeah, and unprotected twenty twenty one picks massively valuable are like. That's wow. that's that that's gold. Uh, yeah, they're they're not really out there. Well, I, they're probably this this will be the only one I think because the Minnesota pick is lightly protected. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, they're they're hard to come by. Um, so and they're extremely valuable. Yeah, so. if you if you give a listen to our fourth episode with Ross Homan previewing the twenty twenty one class, uh, you'll get an idea of why we're so excited about the twenty twenty one class. But you're talking about a class that does have the guy at the top in Cade Cunningham and that has a handful of very legitimate uh, initiator uh, prospects behind him. Uh, So that's highly appealing. And given how many guys I think kind of surprisingly pulled out of this year's class, we're probably looking at even more depth next year as well. Um, So I think that, you know, worst case scenario, if that pick rolls over and and ends up being lower, ends up being 20 as opposed to 14, you're probably still looking all right. Um, and if it, uh, you know, if it, if it ends up rolling over and, and is the number one overall pick, you're talking about uh, a team that's going to compete very seriously for many championships with a Cade Cunningham, Jason Tatum core. Um, I, <laughs> if, if the pick, like, I, I do think it's interesting that, like, e- either the scenario of that pick jumping or uh is interesting for for the Celtics perspective but also for the for the Grizzlies because they are 
such a talented young team and a young team that was good. Um, I do think that that's interesting for them. Although there's not anyone who's too appealing. Like I think if they, if they were one, I think I'd probably go with Ant. Um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, assuming you can't trade it, that's that's what I do. I mean, cause I, I LaMelo, you, I just probably don't want him with jaw there. And yeah. just probably don't want him with jaw there. So yeah, I mean, again, it would be huge. Um, for, to acquire an, an unprotected 2021 or even if it ends up being you know uh like, like you said a pick in the 8 to 14 range that's like a spot where the Celtics could you know land a guy like 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 Killian Hayes who Max has gushed about you know for months on for months on end at this point or even someone like Tyrese Maxey, Devin Bissell, Patrick Williams, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, you know all all players in this range that would seriously benefit Boston. You know Yeah, they, the thing that's appealing to me about this range it, are the guard compliments to Jason Tatum that, you know, you have these guys that maybe aren't ma- big time advantage creators. Uh, but that doesn't really matter when you've got a, you know, six, nine, six, ten forward. Who's, who's, you know, making every pull up three uh, because the defense reacts to that. And as long as he moves the ball quickly, uh, you know, it can even be just, you know, like easily one pass away. The defense is, the defense is moving and you get the ball to, you know, Tyrese Maxey who can't necessarily break a guy down off the dribble. Uh, but you get the ball to Tyrese Maxey, he can do a lot once he's, you know, got a step on his man, whether that's finish at the rim, floater. Um, you know, he is, I think, pre- pretty positive as a, a combo guard, as like a drop-off passer and, and can kick out some as well. So you're talking about a guy who's very dynamic. I mean, same same for Killian Hayes. Uh, when that guy is, is you know, against the compromised defense, uh, it's going to create a lot of problems. He will, he will, you know, be opening guys up and finding open guys. So I I think it's a pretty, pretty optimal scenario for, for a lot of those guys would be playing alongside uh, a jumbo creator like that. Yeah. Um, It's a good spot for Max's Celtics. Um, Yeah, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. It's kind of all we have for the lottery. Unless anything else we want to talk about, I don't, as sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, are there any teams you're really interested in seeing? With the, like, I, I'm definitely curious to see what Phoenix does. Yeah, I mean, I think New Orleans is a fascinating one. You know, yeah. like, uh, another team with with like you know have, have have a lot of similarities to Boston is in they have their mega creator. They're going to be picking in that in that in that value range. Um, you know, just fired their head coach, which I have a lot of thoughts about, but this is not the place for that. Um, yeah, I saw an- another team like analogous to Boston where they have like a strong core already and could be in a position to, you know, really advance that this year with a strong draft. That's another team I'm looking at. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what Sacramento does because they're, I mean, they're in like yeah. a perennially weird place. Yeah. And I was, um, I was going to say that we forgot to put this on our outline. We should talk about Sacramento parting ways with Vlade Divac. Yeah, um, because yeah, they um, it, I think they're in a 
there at a big point in a franchise as a franchise, like a De'Aaron Fox max extension is probably coming this summer, I would think. But yeah. year two of Marvin Bagley is over. Um, he was off he's, injured this year, and he's injured again, which is you know his his career longevity is already up in the air, which is you know you, you never like to see, but it puts them in a difficult situation, you know, especially after investing the number two pick in in the Luca drafts. Um, yeah, the- I mean that look, that's always going to be a pretty catastrophic mistake i think that like the vlade tenure is deserving of a bit more nuance than it gets like he did a lot of crazy stuff he also did a lot of like i think that his approach to the draft was actually like very draft twittery uh in that he he like very consistently traded back um like the marquis chris trade was really good what they did with the picks and that's kind of a consistent theme. What they've done with the picks outside of Fox uh, was kind of a not good. But the yeah. but the the approach of trading back and of getting kind of more known commodities uh, that are just like valuable, like getting getting Bogdan Bogdanovich in that in that Chris trade is something that's you know like he is not necessarily a shiny new thing as as the rights of a of a. Uh, first round pick from a few years prior, but like that's something he's of a, very, I mean, he's a legitimate NBA contributor. Yeah, that's something of very serious value. And he's also by far the best player to come out of the Marquise Chris trade. Like, yeah. Papayanis is playing in Greece. Marquise Chris, I guess, is kind of, you know, had, had, I guess, a career year for the Warriors this year, but, you know, he's a, he's a rim running big, uh, kind of forgettable. Um, was, was, I think the, I think the other pick in that, in that deal was the Scal pick. Uh, and Scal is 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 kind of barely hanging on in the league. So you know Bogdanovich is is kind of by far the best player out of that group, um, and at the time was was probably one of the under um, under discussed aspects to it. Um, and then they also did the the Zach Collins trade back ten for I think it was fifteen and twenty, and they used those picks on on Justin Jackson and and Harry Giles, which you know. Poss- probably not the best usage of those picks. However, the process there is great. Yeah, and for I mean, twenty, that that that's that, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, it's that's really awesome. good value. Um, and they they really they hit big on Fox as both a player and a culture fit in a in a pick that I think was kind of against the grain. Um, so I think that that a lot of their process stuff has been pretty sound as in approaching the draft. Uh. It's just that they've kind of gotten their the evaluation wrong. side has been tough. Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, they're obviously they're backed into a, a tough spot now. They they missed they're they're probably too good now, and they missed their chance at Luca. Um, but it's not, it, yeah. probably not gonna have a shot at Cade. I mean, they're too good for that. I think. Yeah, barring lottery luck, I think they're kind of too good for that. Uh, but they're in a weird situation now because you aren't necessarily committed long-term to Luke Walton as your coach. You don't really know necessarily what you're looking for then as a, from a fit standpoint, you don't know how tied the next um, regime will be to pass picks like Bagley. Um, you'd think that the franchise is kind of tied to Fox no matter what, but yeah. uh, beyond that, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to say. So they're just in a very, they're just very up in the air. Uh, it's, you know, a franchise is frequently in flux, but I think more so now than than really at, at any time, uh, somewhat recently. But yeah, I, I'm curious to see what how the next uh, uh, the next regime approaches things there, um, because you know I, I think the the Divac regime got a lot of justified criticism, yeah. but but definitely some of the process stuff there was was sound um and we'll see we'll see if they you know if they're continuing to prioritize trade backs and stuff like that and again i mean a good in a good spot at this draft to you know land a value or you know potentially add some more value in trade backs but there's well there's still going to be you know i think there's a chance tyrese maxi falls you know late 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 teens they can, they can land a guy like that you know prospects like kyra lewis um alexis pokusetsky are going to be available later than they should um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're in a good spot to get like a wingy or forwardy type guy. Yeah. Either the FSU guys, uh, or, probably not a Coro, but um, no, I don't think so. No, but I mean, but you know, wing, wingy forwardy guy, FSU Pokashevsky, um, something like that. Yeah. All right, uh, so I think that's actually all we have on the lottery. Uh, shorter episode today. That's all right. Uh, next week's will certainly be longer. 
Um, yeah, so, oh, I'm so excited. I real content to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll know the draft order. We'll get to start. It's been a long summer. Um, thank you, everyone, for sticking with us throughout throughout this this summer. Um, we're gonna have some real content next week. But yeah, let's just get into our catching eye, guys. Um, I'll go my finally quick. I haven't actually you know watched anyone recently because I've been you know busy this occupied this last week. Uh, I, I, but I've talked about someone I've want like a, a 2022 guy I, I've been meaning to bring up on this pod. Uh, that's Hunter's Hunter Salas, uh, a 2022 guard out of Nebraska, I believe, plays at Millard North. Um, he's just pro- probably underrated at this point. Um, I don't I don't have his RSTI pulled up uh, at the moment. I could do that later. But yeah, I mean, like the, the it's like super advanced handler, uh, for someone his age, advanced pull up shooter, you know, just dynamic handling combinations. Has you know his handling consistency is a bit of a problem. But, you know, the, the the highs are insanely high, um, from a handling standpoint. You know, from from like a six four, a pretty thin guard with awesome explosiveness, breaking in and out of moves, you know, blowing by guys, you know, hesitations, crosses, and really impressive vertical explosion as well. I mean, the the game that I that I first saw of him was against IMG and Jaden Springer, who is the best on ball defender in next year's in the twenty twenty one draft class, twenty twenty high school class. And he, you know, he beat Jaden Springer off the dribble probably more than like any high school player I can really recall. Uh, you know, which is a super impressive feat. You know, I, I tend not to play stock in you know, too much talk into 1v1 matchups and single games often. But, you know, this is a special case, certainly, where Jaden Springer's that elite. And Hunter Salas did did, did some work on Jaden Springer um, with the ball in his hands. You know, the issues with him become more, I mean, he's a non-defender at this point. And, you know, while he has some vision and already has commendable gravity as, you know, an on-ball on on ball score with, with his pull-up shooting and his, his ball handling at, you know, at this age, his, his vision is not great and he misses passes. He, he's unspectacular, but he has the vision to make basic ones, which, you know, is, is only going to grow as he continues to have reps on the ball. Um, I believe he's, you know, he's got, he's racked up like considerable offers. He, I think he has an offer from Gonzaga. Um, you know, I think he, I expect, expect to get more high major offers as, you know, you know, no one knows what's going to happen with next season, you know, for high school players, especially, but he's a guy who's, who, who definitely should be a riser and, you know, probably a lottery talent uh, for the 2022 draft. Certainly one of the better guys in the 2020 high school, 2021 high school class, though it's way too early to know at this point. So. I know nothing about him. Um, so thank you. Thank you for the report. Um, I will, I will keep that in mind in the future when I'm watching <laughs> the high school class of 2021 um i guess i'll kind of go in the opposite direction with mine i still spend the, the vast 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 majority of my time watching prospects but i i now with nba back i i you know i, I steal little moments of of watching uh look at max watching nba basketball it's a beautiful thing yeah no but i like I, I it's really funny i have like you know my basketball that i i watch for analysis purposes and then like i'll, I'll be in bed watching tv and and i'll i'll throw a game on my ipad and just like kind of uh <laughs> like glides that's my fun basketball watching um or like I, I don't know i'll be like running or something like that watching basketball um you run and watch basketball well, on like a machine oh <laughs> yeah yeah but <laughs> um but yeah, so I've obviously been watching more NBA recently, as as has uh, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, assume everyone. Um, so a couple of the things that definitely stand out to me, um, watching just some obviously former prospects, is that the NBA is really good at developing guys athletically, uh, and it, it's obviously something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. I think that uh, what our episode with PD. Uh, I think we did one on physical development. I don't know. They kind of all blend together at this point. But uh, our, our episodes are pretty well titled. I think you guys will be able to figure it out if you want to go find them. I think it's. I think we talked about something like this with PD. Um, but the NBA is really good at developing guys athletically. And that's not just, um, you know, getting guys stronger, I think, is the what is generally accepted as possible. But it's making guys quicker laterally and more explosive in a straight line. Um, so I, I think the example everyone cites is, is Luka Doncic for sure. And 
and it's not just like straight line burst with Luca. Uh, he's a very unique player in how he creates advantages with change of pace, with like hardened like micro deception, uh, you know, with little movements and with just leverage and strength. But he has also gotten more explosive. Um, I mean, you know, thinking Celtics, Grant Williams. I remember being very concerned about, well, not very concerned, but concerned about Grant as a lateral mover, uh, as a guy who had a pretty wide radius on his on his hip turning. Um, just had some concerns about that. His perimeter defense this year, like uh, is, like switches onto good guards, was really good. Like he moved with some good guards uh, in their game against the Grizzlies recently. Like he moved well enough with Jaw and then blocked him with with you know some some recovery length and and just uh, good timing uh, on an isolation. Like he's gotten better laterally, um, and I think that these are things that people think are kind of fixed. Uh, and, and I don't think they are. I think the NBA is really, really good at making guys better, uh, athletically. And that's obviously something to really account for with, uh, with prospects. Uh, and I think it's, it's relevant this year, you know, whether you want to say that, you know, LaMelo's core strength is something that can really be developed and that his, I mean, his burst also is something that could be developed, uh, or Killian continuing to, to expand on his, on his, uh, really ridiculous athletic growth. Um, you know, getting better, even better at change of direction, developing more burst, uh, playing le- even less upright uh, than the strides he's already made. You know, those are really, really high leverage changes. Um, you know, maybe not to the extent of Luca, but you know, we've seen we've seen creators, you know, develop explosiveness. Um, so I think that that's something that shouldn't be discounted, uh, especially for guys who have already shown the ability to develop athletically. Yeah, and just further hammers home the, you know, difficulty and ambiguity of the draft as a whole and just, you know, how tough this whole thing is and it's so it, man. And, and like how impossible it, it really is. You know, like uh, like I think the, you know, the the camp of people who are like, you know, like the draft is all luck is obviously not true, but like there's certainly a lot there's certainly like a lot of variance to this and yeah, you're you're going to be wrong a lot more than you're right probably. yeah i think it's just it's important to understand why you're wrong why you're wrong how you could be wrong before you're wrong um yeah and how I, to not be wrong next time or minimize your chances because you know y- y- your process could be perfect that's what we always talk about you know even if results aren't perfect having good process is important yeah i mean you could have a perfect grasp on the range of outcomes and you know if you if you were high quote unquote high on a guy who hits a low level outcome that you said was a low level outcome for him. Uh, you know, you, you could look wrong uh, without, yeah. without, you know, you know, your evaluation w- in that case is hundred percent, right. It's just, you know, the, the, the outcome that, that manifested yeah. was not good. And, you know, some guys will blow through your expectations of what their high end outcome is and, you know, just be, turn into something you never even thought they could. Yeah, to. man. Like, did you, did you see jaw having this, intermediate game this floater game uh, it's, on. I mean, it's it's pretty spectacular like what he's done you know i i think i had draw like three or four which was probably too low at this point um it was, again, it, it was, yeah. jaw is the clear yeah. number two yeah yeah i mean he like, like but again i mean like, like the overall jumper and you know ability to operate in the intermediate was you know one of the concerns for him and then he's one of the better floater guys in the league his first year which is ridiculous i mean yeah I'm, i actually am curious about memphis with that because they they, they all shoot floaters like obviously clark, clark, clark came in as an elite floater guy but kyle I mean, anderson is a yeah but but um kyle anderson's great with floaters dylan brooks is good with floaters um grayson allen is good with floaters yeah. mike conley formerly memphis yeah. is like one of the Even best like guys jv frequents like the little push floaters yeah, so so I'm actually I'm curious uh, about like you know developmentally what they have going on there because it seems like they're very good with uh, with yeah. developing floaters. I think touch development is just you know another fascinating and nebulous concept. Yeah, that, you know, people you know much smarter than us sort hopefully understand at this point. But yeah, no, that's definitely true, and that that touch is one that's tough because it's like, um, you know, if your finishing improves, how much of that is your balance improved and your ability to handle contact improved versus how much is your touch improving. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to, to isolate. Um, yeah. Draft analysis really hard. Um, why did we get into this? Sh- shout out to anyone who, who puts in uh, a lot of time and effort on this because uh, it's really difficult and 
and people tend not to remember uh, the hits as much as the misses. Um, yeah. Well, I guess we have time for one other thing that I wanted to to discuss with respect mm-hmm. to the NBA um, is uh, approach. So, like, I don't think that it's appreciated enough how uh, unchangeable <laughs> approach is. Like. It, Every time that a team acquires someone like Marcus Morris from a team that's not necessarily very good, and you know, I, I watched Marcus Morris for a couple of years. Uh, you know, he likes to dribble the ball. He likes to take his elbow pull-ups. Um, you know, he he has positive attributes for sure, but those tendencies are are always going to be there. And just because he has a high three-point percentage does not mean that he's going to be some stellar off-ball player um so yeah i think it's just notable that you know guys who have kind of always been what they are from an approach standpoint from a tendencies standpoint a play style standpoint they kind of stay that way like yeah. I, I don't think you know putting Dion waiters just like strictly off the ball necessarily is turning Dion waiters into some great off-ball player yeah. uh it kind of is who he is um I don't know, you know, when, at what point that becomes fixed. And it's it's certainly not true in all senses. But, like, uh, like, just it's also, I think, important to consider, like, the nuances of each role. Like, it, it's not, like, Carmelo in OKC, for example. Like, he actually did shift his, his shot diet to, like, a lot of spot-ups and stuff like that. He just wasn't really that good at it. Um because there's a lot more to being a really good off-ball player than yeah, high three-point percentage. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, and and I mean, and there's a lot more that goes into being a really good on-ball scorer than like low three-point percentage necessarily. Like, that doesn't mean you're a bad on-ball scorer. That could be explained by taking really tough shots. Um, but you might, you know, you might have never been that good of a spot-up shooter. Uh, so just replacing um, off-the-dribble shots with spot-ups is not necessarily. Um, you know, going to work that well, you know, in an off ball role, if you're not that good at spot ups in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so I think that it just generally to not assume that guys can fit different roles is important. Um, and I think it's very important in draft analysis for sure. Um, and it, I, it comes into play for sure this year. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I I mean full circle brings us back to you know Anthony Edwards <laughs> where you know pricing in to what extent is his approach fixable because that's probably you know putting all of his more tangible skills you know handling shooting off ball defense aside that, that that that's probably the, the highest leverage thing when it comes to you know his his future as a star is what's his approach and yeah and then also a quick shout out to our friend Rob Flom the number one Marcus Morris stand. Um, <laughs> You know, again, just he's someone who that, also that's kind of cruel, Ben. Who also is also someone who really understands, you know. Well, like I said, you know, someone who you know, someone who worked on the Knicks and was more successful on a team like the Knicks because you know the Knicks have no creators. Where Marcus Morris was allowed to was allowed to you know create and because like like we we talk about return on investment and you know the marginal whatever decreasing. Um, like with Marcus Morris, like you can let him create and have some value because no one else does it. But when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Lou Williams on your team, um, you really don't need another guy to take three dribbles and shoot. You, you need a guy to stand in the corner and play defense. Um, so just like looking at team context um, as well, team context goes hand in hand with approach in terms of guys, you know, you're looking at as it fits. Yeah. And I mean, that, that gets back to the whole LaMelo Trey thing that yeah. you're not, you're not getting the most out of either if, yeah. um, if they're alongside yeah. each other. Um, so, so we're running in circles at this point. <laughs> um, I think we're going to, we should probably call it uh, for, for, for this one parter. Um, so yeah. Uh, thanks everyone so much for listening. Uh, you can follow the pod at prep number two pro pod on Twitter. Follow Max at Max a Carlin. Follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. And like we said next week, lottery content thank god um real draft stuff so unless there's anything else you want to say um uh, i think that's it um who do you want to win the lottery ben who do i want to win the lottery who do you want to win the lottery um god who, who do i want to win the lottery um i i haven't actually thought about that um i think i think it would be really really cool if phoenix won the lottery 
like a that would be fascinating. That would be so well. Also, just like a you know, it like perfect in the bubble. Your, your constellation prize is the number one pick. Yeah, that, that that would be so much fun. That would be pretty fascinating. Um, I think it would. I don't know. I think it would be kind of cool to see uh like a team like Atlanta win the lottery because you know. Yeah, it would be really well that would be fascinating. Just like yeah, this, although I, I do think it would just be boring because I think they would just take Ann. Which I I, I mean. Yeah, I, but again, like I just don't know enough to, to say it probably. Yeah, I'm I'm curious with the teams who don't really have, um, you know, an established core would do like because because then it's just kind of an exercise in you know who they think is the best prospect. Um, yeah. so you know your San Antonio's and Charlotte's like yeah. I, I would be kind of interested to see you know who they just think is is the the best building piece. Um, I obviously want Memphis to jump very very badly. Uh, and I think all Celtics fans should be rooting for that. I can't. Um, the, the The Pacers can't win the lottery, unfortunately. Um, I don't. I don't think they can jump from fifty one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, what what about the Pels? What about the Pelicans? I mean, sure. I I, I mean, they would definitely be a cool one. But but like they're like in a really they're in a really good spot as is. Yeah. Um, that I'm not sure how much like jumping them. I, I mean, obviously jumping the number one helps you. But, like I'm not sure how much it really helps you. Yeah, like I, mean, like, I don't even like, know who they would take. Like that that's not a thing I I thought about at all. Um, yeah. Like I they they should just like stay put and take Cole or Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> because they like desperately need a long-term big and i guess they don't seem to trust jackson hayes as much as they, i think they should um i mean i i, mean, I don't know I, like i have like i said i have a lot of issues with the decision making with you know the alvin gentry firing and a, a lot of what they do uh but yeah i mean they're, they're not gonna win the lottery again that would be insane yeah i'm curious what like chicago would do um because if you just double down if you double down on like combos uh who are horrid decision makers with ant that would be like the most miserable team ever and just like imagine right, having right for wendell carter <laughs> <laughs> um like like an ant levine and kobe white trio is is nightmare fuel and like but yeah i, I mean i'd probably go with like uh, I, I mean i would just take killian i, I think i go with Lamelo. i would just um, take killian i wouldn't yell at killian either um yeah i mean i i i, I, I kind of like killian there if they want levine like like if like the, they're more committed to being levine than they should be like i think they're even like one of like the more plausible halliburton spots that high even though like oh man anyway but i think they're a team i could see taking him could um, you imagine if tyrese halliburton won number one overall ah uh, man i the, the the sad thing is i could like oh man <laughs> yeah i mean i mean if the Warriors got number one and it was Halliburton, like I can think of worse things. No, oh no, I can't. I, I mean, I. I... <laughs> yeah, man. If the if the Warriors are an interesting one to me too, because like number one, I, I I think I would just take Ant. I definitely see cases for Killian or Lamelo, but I would I would kind of consider like Isaac Okoro as well. Um, if that's a tough one, I you know they they could Here, like. Man. Yeah, like I, mean, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't like, go Denny that high. But. More mainstream. I mean, Obi Toppin. Like I wouldn't take him the high, but he makes sense, like theoretically, yeah. for them. But like, if like if there was a team to take Obi that high, like that, I wouldn't hate. It's Golden State. Like, like I would. Like, like I could get. Like I could understand that rationale. Um, but yeah, like again, I like to, like I don't know. I think like Phoenix would be like bringing it back. I, I think Phoenix would be so cool. Like I think Suns really fans deserve it. Uh, that that's a team take Killian number one like I know obviously Devin, no, no Devin one's do it Devin Booker and Killian Hayes would be or just unbelievable oh my god like no one no one's gonna do it but man if I were them I would take Killian number one um NBA decision makers who probably aren't listening take take Killian Hayes oh, and at this point I mean we already did the outro and we're for some reason still recording um well, I mean, I mean, frankly, the Suns don't need to jump to take Killian. They could, they could yeah. probably get him a ten. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, we did outro, and you decided to keep talking, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, it's- but like, yeah, if if I if I were the Suns at ten, I mean, 
praying for Killian to be there. Because yeah, they, I mean, like, Killian, I think Akora would be awesome there too. Akora would be great, yeah, yeah. I mean, just Killian being there seems more likely, and yeah. I think it's it's more more what you need to shore up long-term, and you just talk about, like, like a perfect, perfect compliment. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, Maxi would be really good too. Um, even, like, Kyra would be okay. Yeah, I, I mean, even Kyra would be solid. Because, yeah. you know, Suns play fast, seven seconds. I mean, probably wouldn't go that – I mean, he, he's not going to go that high, but – Probably not, but I wouldn't – nothing Nothing would really shock me, man. I, I, I think that you – like, you could tell me Tyler Bay goes in the lottery and I wouldn't be stunned. Yeah. I mean, like that – yeah, uh, I'm with you there. I mean, I, again, like, Jemias Ramsey might go in the 20s, top 20. Like, oh, God. Well, uh, I feel like, I feel like Jemias Ramsey is going to go in the 20s. Uh, and... I mean, I was thinking top 20, but – yeah. Oh, top twenty. I don't know about top twenty. That that would be bad. I mean, it seems. Oh man, it seems like Sadiq Bay is gonna go in the lottery. Neesmith is gonna go in the lottery for sure. He's oh bad. my god. I can see, see Neesmith going high. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much the Cam Johnson thing would really factor into it, but like I, Cam Johnson is just like a way better prospect than those two. I mean, yeah. John Cam is older, but also infinitely better than oh, like Neesmith so better at basketball because he can like dribble and like and, and play. So, and play Cam, like. And, shoot pull-ups cam had a lot more, i mean decision maker totally different worlds uh but cam had more as a self-creator like like cam could like run a pick and roll and it would be non-disastrous like yeah i mean he wasn't he wasn't and isn't great at it but like no no but he could do it at the college level like which yeah. is an important indicator you know because you know neesmith can't I yeah know. and also underappreciated that cam is huge uh that he's quite smart um yeah yeah Cam was a good prospect. I think like comfortably a tier ahead of a tier or two ahead of Neesmith and Bay both. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, Bay. It, I really am like confident in him, in him not being a good defensive player in the NBA. In fact, like being a pretty bad one. Um, he like yes, Villanova is highly conservative, but like even within that context, you're talking about a guy who is like not a particularly good team defender. And he really like can't navigate screens, move laterally. Like uh, he's he's going to be a bad NBA defender. Uh, yeah. And at a certain point, like being a really good shooter at that height only takes you so far. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> I, uh, um, this is like normally the stuff we do after we outro, but we still haven't like officially outroed. Uh, I mean, we did. Um, I'm not going to outro again. I'm just going to say bye, and I'm going to hit the stop recording button. So. <laughs>